my definition of success is embracing like the hustling grind for whatever it is your goal is. Hey guys, I am super psyched to have the, I would say, the preeminent DJ in the Indian community. I'm sure you would agree with that statement. Thank you. Appreciate uh, that. In, in the house today, DJ Suhel is here. And, um, you know, I, I I first met Suhel, must have been like 11 or 12 years ago, when uh, Sanjay Pooja, my brother-in-law, got married. Suhel DJ that wedding. It was like a really big deal to have you at that wedding. Cipriani, 42nd Street. That's right, man. It was That's like right. the first, Pouring like, you know, like, like statement Indian wedding at that property. Yeah, man. Yeah, and it was a great wedding. Yeah, it was awesome. And you did a great job DJing it, of course. And then we reconnected, I would say, like 10 years later. But yeah. I, had a, I, I just I wanted some music at a summer soiree I was having. And I just reached out to you. I was like, it would be cool to have DJ Suhel there. Yeah, we were, like, fortunately, you were available. Unfortunately, it was a rain out. But we had a good time, man. We got to chill. Yeah, and great time. Get to know each other a bit. Um, so I'm really excited that you came out here, man. Uh, Suhal has the flu, so he uh, was a real trooper, made it out here this morning, and we really appreciate that, man. And Thank you. Excited, really excited to hear your story. Um, I know you're involved in so many things, man. But uh, before we get into all of the, you know, all the exciting things that you're doing now, one of the things that I kind of have started doing in the last few podcasts is asking all of my guests what their personal definition of success is, and it's so varied. You know, everyone like defines success in a different way. Ultimately, I feel like it all distills down to like the same essential thing. Uh, but I would love to hear how you define success, man. You know, that's 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 a great question. I mean, I actually, um, you know, did a fantastic event uh, about a year ago, and I've been doing this event now for a couple of years for the uh, French American School of New York, which is in um, in Westchester, like Maranek, like that whole area. Um, and it's it's interesting that they would come to you know an Indian DJ to come and rock their events. I mean, the the fact that you know you said that I'm a preeminent uh, Indian DJ doesn't only mean that you know I do Indian parties, right? It's just one more genre of music that I can play when I'm rocking a room, right? So if I ne I needed to like remove that genre and just kind of like just straight rock a room, whether it's like top forty hip hop, eighties, nineties, whatever it is. You know, we can do that too. Like the Indian stuff, it's just, you know, it's just a bonus, right? So I did this event last year and, and their keynote speaker was, you know, he said, what really defines success? And it, it, was, it was really eye-opening, right? So a lot of people look at success as like, all right, well, I've made it and I'm making like a lot of money, right? Whereas, you know, this guy, I vividly remember him saying something along the lines of success is not necessarily defined by how much money you're making, but more so how much of a difference and how much of an impact you're making by doing what you love, right? Um, I think it's safe to say that, you know, a, a lot of our families like emigrated here to the United States to really give us like, you know, a, a better future and allow us to do, you know, a lot more things um, that, you know, we would want to do and things that would make us happy, right? So I really think success for me, you know, is pretty much like how happy are you and how happy are you doing what you do and doing what you love? I mean, that's that's really well said, man. Um, and it's clear to me just watching when you work and even just following you on Instagram and, and you know, just the little videos and stuff that you post on your story that you clearly love what you do, man. Yeah. I mean, from the second you arrive at a party to like, you know, like in, you know, you're into it, man. And, you know, there's a lot of passion for what you do. And I, and I think you're right, man. I think it's that passion and 
if you're passionate about what you do, just the positivity that comes out of whatever you're doing is contagious, man. You know, and that's you know you have that in your work. It's infectious. I feel like I have that in my work. I love. Oh, absolutely, hundred ten percent. And uh, you know, it makes it fun, and you know, you're really just putting all that positive energy out there, man. So I think that's I love that definition of success, man. And and like I said, you're clearly are, are living that. That's that's a, yeah. that's your yeah. that's your truth. Um, so you, you mentioned obviously we're both first generation. Our parents came from India. Um, I can't imagine that it was like an easy sell to your parents that say, hey, you know, I want to be a DJ. Like, how how did all that start? How did you? Do you DJ in college or high school? And like, you know, how did it sort of snowball into what it is now, which is this huge enterprise? So, um, my parents were were known for the parties they used to throw at home. Like their parties were legendary, and people would just do whatever they could to like get invited to them. And you know, they used to entertain a lot. And we had you know fully finished basement uh, with a really long like. 30-foot bar, which my dad built by hand. He built, like, a little, like, disco room, which was, like, our nightclub. We had, you know, lights hanging from the ceiling, um, you know, sound system and DJ equipment. Really? And, you know, my dad's my dad's attitude was, like, well, you know, why should I pay somebody to bring this stuff in when I'm entertaining so much? I might as well just have it here. So, you know, one day I just kind of, like, you know, snuck downstairs and I started playing around with some you know, old, like, rock and roll records that I used to buy. And so these are, like, turntables your dad Yeah, had? turntables. Wow. And, and, um... And, like, the whole mixer thing and yeah, all that stuff? Yeah, turntables, wow. mixer, everything. And, and, and I started doing some, like, really, really interesting, like, live, you know, mixing with, like, some rock stuff and some, you know, Indian stuff. And then some, you know, back in those days when I first started, like, you know, growing up in Queens, like, freestyle was really big. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we used to kind of, like, you know, mess around with that stuff. How old were you? Um, I mean, I want to say I was about maybe like 16, 17, okay. you know, and, um, I, I, I got into, I got into dance music back then, uh, back in those days, uh, hot 97, which is a predominantly, yeah. you know, hip hop radio station. Uh, they used to have, uh, the Saturday night dance party, which was live broadcast from like, you know, major nightclubs in New York city. They would do like palladium. They would do like sprats on the water, like all these, like, like all over the place. And, uh, you know, Glenn Frischer was their DJ. And, you know, instead of going out with my friends on a Saturday night, I would just kind of sit home and, like, put on my headphones and, you know, listen to, you know, Glenn's show and, and record it. And I would drive around in my car. I just got my license. I would, you know, listen to his show and just kind of, like, you know, understand, like, what he was doing live in the club. And then I went out and started to get the same records that he was playing and try to, you know, just kind of mix them the same way. And once... Like, what stuff? Like, what stuff? Like what kind of which like which records were you getting? Like um, you know there was there was a record called Push the Feeling on by Nightcrawler's big record. Um, I like to move it move it by you know Eric Murillo, Real to Real, uh, Love and Happiness by India, In the Ghetto by Bad Yard Club. You know like like all these like really really big, uh, you know dance records from like the early '90s, and these were like like big boy tunes, right? And um, I I would I would go to the you know to to the record store and I would, you know, spend like a hundred bucks on records, you know, like, you know, my allowance money, whatever I had. And I would, I would just make mixtapes for my friends in college and I would just like make them and give them out. And people were like, you know, you're really good. You should do this. Were you DJ Suhel then? Was that like, you know, did you start like the mixtapes were DJ Suhel yeah. brand? Yeah. Yeah. Where did you go to school? Uh, Stony Brook. Okay, cool. Stony so, Brook. I mean, that's actually a pretty big party school, you know, yeah. like uh, during the week, the dark stench, you know. Yeah. Bench. Well, uh, park bench, right? right. And then uh, we call it the dark stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the park bench is really interesting. We'll get yeah. to that in a minute. But um, you know, I, I I didn't have like 
a sound system that I could take out of my house and like the turntables were like just kind of built in. So I never really had like the opportunity to do it like outside of my house. And people were like, oh, you're really good. You should consider doing this. I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm just having fun. I'm making, you know, like tapes for you guys to enjoy, so on and so forth. And then... Um, so it's like scratching and all that stuff on these mixtapes? Um, like a little bit. And stuff and a little bit. I mean, it was more about like, you know, mixing and just kind of keeping the vibe and keeping the, the pulse going. So it was like whatever, one side of a tape or something, 30 minutes or whatever, 45 minutes. Oh, I, I would do both sides, both 90 sides. minutes. Like 90 minutes straight yeah, music. Yeah. yeah. So they so. tell me, so you give the tapes out. It was like, hey, man, you got a DJ. You're really good. And then what happened? So then, um, you know, we, we had this uh, club night on campus at this place called End of the Bridge. And, um, you know, they had just gotten rid of their DJ. And um, I brought in a buddy of mine from Queens, um, really good friend, DJ Lava, big inspiration of mine, pretty much, uh, you know, it was pretty much him and Glenn Frischer that like just kind of gave me like my early tutorials and being able to like understand like what DJing really is. And, um, you know, I, of course, didn't have equipment that I could get out of my house. Right. And they needed a DJ. So I hooked him up with the Thursday night spot over there and they came yeah, in he with had this a, like he huge, had equipment. Yeah, huge okay. massive sound system and they just, you know, did the Thursday night and there was like, you know, I would go, I was like to tag along, just hang out, like, you know, hang out in the DJ booth, be cool, listen to that, whatever, so on and so forth. And there was like one day where, where Nithu, who's, uh, you know, DJ Lava, uh, said, listen, I'm gonna go to the bathroom, play some records. And he just left. And, and I had like a full room of like 500 people in front of me and he just like just straight bounced to the bathroom. So, you know, I, I found a couple of records and I went from one to the next to the next to the next and I just started rocking the room. And I think, you know, that was a very pivotal turning point for me because I was like, you know, I'd never done it outside of my parents' basement. And I'm like, wow, I really can do this. Wow. It you was know, crazy so, high too. Like, wow. Like, yeah, it was, it was seeing insane. people bouncing in front of you and stuff. <laughs> it was wild. So then did that motivate you to get your own stuff or get your own gear? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of started all coming together, right? So, um, you know... The, the 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 end of the bridge eventually just kind of like you know shut itself down um you know and people started going over to uh to the park bench and what had happened is i had you know finished up with you know my four years in school and so I, when did you graduate what years are we talking here 96 okay and I, I basically you know uh the park bench i was friends with the uh with the thursday night dj and he's like you know they're looking for somebody on wednesday nights over here and I said, all right, that's cool. I'm like, I really wanted to do Thursdays because Thursday was the big night. And, um, you know, he's like, all right, well, we're going to start you like on Wednesday and just kind of like see how you do. And, um, you know, I, I started like there was a week like between the end of summer session and then the start of like the fall semester that year in, in 96. And I was friends with a lot of like the fraternities and, you know, the sorority girls and so on and so forth. And they they all moved in like that, that, you know, interim week just to kind of like party and hang out and get situated so on and so forth and and they came to the bench on on a wednesday night and they're like oh what are you doing here i'm like oh i'm the new wednesday night dj oh wow the following week which was the first wednesday of the fall semester i had a line from the front door around the building down to the next parking lot like the room was like nearing capacity like we opened at 10 and then room was like nearing capacity at like 10 30 10 35 wow and it was just all from telling like a few people and that like you know like like in between week like i'm the new wednesday night dj and it was just like insane wow like i remember like like my dj booth was like tucked in a corner and there was just like you know like this window with these like venetian blinds and i just kind of like i'm like wow it's like, really busy in here and i like, 
open the Venetian blinds, I could just see the line going all the way down, like two parking lots deep. Wow, man. And I was just like, wow, I better start pulling some tracks. And then the next thing you know, I had taken that night from being like 70, 80 people on a Wednesday, maybe like 100, 150 um very very like you know eastern long island like 70s disco to like like modern new york city like house hip-hop reggae so on and so forth and i basically like like was instrumental in revolutionizing the place and bringing it up to speed and bringing it up to date and you know coming all the way from you know back in queens because i had obviously left campus you know, Wednesday night, I would like, you know, like like every Wednesday, I would wake up and have the biggest smile on my face because I was like, oh, it's Wednesday night tonight. And, you know, there were times that people came up to us and they were just like, you know, we came all the way from Brooklyn and Staten Island for this. I'm like, wow. So, yeah. you know, from there, I started making like an impact like very, very like early on. And I didn't realize what sort of impact I was making just from something which was like a hobby turned passion. Right. So did you have a day job at that time? So you graduated school. What did you study in school? Uh, business management and economics. Cool. So did your like parents they like gotta get a, like a job? So I, I I really wanted to just kind of like take a year off and 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 decompress. And I said I was only gonna do this for a year. And like twenty two years later, we're still wow. here. So you had the gig on Wednesday night. And yeah. Then do you have other gigs like the rest of the week? Uh no, it was it was only that Wednesday. Um, but what happened uh, eventually thereafter, like a couple of weeks in, is that I had gotten asked to play uh, at a nightclub in, uh, in New York City. And it was September 7th, 1996. It was, you know, a Saturday. I remember it very vividly. Uh, we had like a, a prayer going on in my house. And I had to like be out of there by like 9.15, 9.30 to get to the club in the city by 10. And, you know, the priest took like extra long like doing this like prayer thing. And I was like, yo, I gotta go, dude. And it's like, you know, there were like all these people that were there. And, and I remember like, like there were like all these girls that were there and they just like saw me like going down in my basement coming up with like these like milk crates of records. And I'm like, yo, where's this guy going with records? And, and I was literally like, like, I'll never forget that date because I, that was like my crossing over into, you know, New York City nightlife. Uh, what club? Uh, it was a club called Metronome. Cool, I'm a, I'm a Metronome. I literally got there like 9.51, pulled up like, I don't even think I, I knew how to properly parallel park. And, and, and like half the car was up on the curb outside of the club. And I, I had to get on by 10 o'clock. It was like wow. 9.50. So I literally like ran inside with my records. And um, I got everything in. It was like 10.02. And like the opening DJ was like, are you ready? And I just like looked over to my right. And I saw all these people at the bar. Because it was an open bar from like 9 to 10. Oh, gotcha. And I just, you know, I put on one record. And everybody just rushed the dance floor. Wow. What was the record? Uh, it was uh, Jazz It Up, Eric Murillo. Nice, man. Wow. So, so that was, was that a steady gig then? That Saturday night gig? No, it was, it was a one-off. Um, I actually got, uh, asked to do that, uh, to do that gig. Uh, there, there was a, a big DJ that came in from Chicago and I was told by the person that booked me, uh, DJ Reka, shout out to DJ Reka for putting me on that event. Um, you know, that I had to get the room like really, really jumping so that these guys from Chicago, TS Sounds, like once they got on, like it would just be like, you know, easy street for them. Like they would have like a full dance floor and they would just start, you know, rocking and doing what they needed to do. Gotcha. And, and it was, it was really interesting because like I played like two hours of like straight house music. Wow. And everyone was into it. Yeah. That's pretty wild, man. Cause you know, I mean, I, even when you did like our, the party at our home, like, you know, 
I don't really listen to much Indian music, so you, it was just all old school hip hop and stuff, um, which is the golden stuff, hour stuff. The stuff Good that stuff. I love, yeah, the stuff Good that stuff. I love. Uh, but it sounds like I mean, you must have like a crazy collection, man, of music. You know, I mean, right now everything's all digitized. You know, you're using your Mac, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. But at the time, you literally had to have. I mean, it was always records, I guess, for you, right? Like, yeah. You never make records, and then like we migrated over to CDs and this and that, whatever. And then the CDs were the bridge to like going to the laptop. Do you still have like a lot of that, like the actual records? Oh yeah, yeah. My whole parents' basement is just like records everywhere. Do you ever use that stuff? Do you ever still like use the records when you DJ? Or? Um. So the the laptop interface, which is called uh, Serato, uh, the Scratch Live Serato DJ. Uh, you have the option, and so basically, what it is, it's 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 a laptop, and then there's a USB that comes out of the laptop, goes into this box, and then your decks go into the box, and then the outs from the box go back into the mixer. So it's really like almost as if like you had like your crates of records I or your you. CDs there, but you're selecting songs in your computer, and you're selecting left deck, right deck, left gotcha. turntable, right turntable, and Serato gives you the option of being able to use vinyl records to manipulate. Or it gives you the option to use CDs to manipulate. I, mean, I actually did an event last night, and I wanted to go turntables. So I used, you know, I used records last night. That's cool. I mean, I mean, it's you could like scratch with all that stuff. Oh too. yeah, I mean, you yeah, can yeah, scratch yeah, yeah. with the with the CD decks too. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. I mean, it's crazy how technology is just like totally advanced DJing. You know, I mean, yeah. everything it's infiltrated everything. Like you know, what I do with the technology is like crazy. It's uh, it's amazing, man. Just. It, Keeping up with it is, you know, I get well, it's your passion, so it's not, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, keeping up with it is really, like, the most difficult part, right? Because right. you've got, like, so much music which is coming out. You've got, like, so many producers that are just, like, you know, popping up here and there. And there's, like, there's so many streaming platforms. There's Spotify, there's Tidal, there's Apple Music. It's really a job in itself just keeping up with it. I mean, music. you must be listening to music nonstop, you know, because not only, like, current music, you know, like, whatever, all the stuff, like, you know, current hip-hop and all that sort of stuff, but you also... Need to know current Indian music, yeah. Like, you know, house music. Mm-hmm. You know, you probably DJ some reggae stuff. You know, I mean, it's oh, yeah. everything. I mean, it's actually kind of insane. Like, how do you keep up with all that? You know, it's just really a matter of like being on the pulse of things. And you know, one thing I really like to pride myself on doing is like reading the crowd and reading a room. Um, you know, any event that I do, I can like walk in and, and look at the crowd and say like, all right, well, I know what I'm going to do with these people. And I'm going to turn this place out. Which, which you do consistently, man. So, you know, that's your early career. You were DJing some events and the thing at the park, you know, the gig at the park bench. When did that turn into, like, you're, like, impossible to even book for an event? Like, you know, you're basically booked up for forever, you know. Every God weekend, really. Yeah, I mean, every weekend there's a wedding and there's, like, you know, all, all these events. Even you happen to have that one Saturday night off, like, when I had asked you to do something. But I had to book you, like, like it was so far in advance, even you know, like it was like I think it was two months in advance or something, and you had your your you know your calendar was basically full. I mean, I think someone actually had dropped an event, and that's why you had an yeah, opening. Yeah, that you know, I kind of lucked out. When did that start? Like, when did it just snowball into that? And you're like, you know what? This is my career. Like, I'm going to make a living doing this. Um, I, I think it just kind of started in like 1998. Um, I started getting booked at like nightclubs, like on a weekly basis. And a lot of the people that were coming to our parties were like, you know, like hooking up and like starting a date and this and that, whatever. And then they would eventually like get engaged and, and they'll get, you know, want to get married. And they're like, you know what? Like, well, the DJ at these parties that we keep going to is really good. Like, why don't we have him do our wedding? And then from there, it's kind of started. And 
I remember like thinking to myself one day, like I was like looking in the mirror and I was like, you know, I, I never, ever, ever wanted to be a wedding DJ. It just happened. Right. Right. And the reason why it happened and it happened so well is because I approach, you know, what I do when I'm at an event more of like an artist which is performing rather than somebody that's just playing music. Right. And and part of that, you know, artist performance vibe that I give to my clients comes with, you know, being able to read the room and, you know, take the energy from like a five to a ten and hold it there the whole night. Right. Which is a real which is a real challenge. And that's why like a lot of people were like starting to book me and then you know, I, I was doing a lot of like, you know, conference events and conference after parties throughout the country. And um, this one couple came up to me at an event in Orlando, Florida, and they like, like, we really love you. Um, you know, we're having our wedding at the Bellagio in Las Vegas. Would you come and perform for us? And this was back in 2000. And, you know, they, they got my information and they eventually did follow up on that, you know, on that discussion and they reached out to me. And, you know, this is back in those days where, like, there was no, like, you know, like, I wasn't very internet savvy. This right. and that, you were, they were texting you like that. Like, there was nothing. Yeah. And I didn't even know what the Bellagio was. Right. I, I, I think I charged them, like, something obscenely low, like $800. And I was wow. like, wow, man, we're going to be rich. <laughs> right? And then, um, you know, I was just, like, so happy to, like, being able to, like, go to, like, Las Vegas. And people were like, oh, where are you DJing? I'm like, oh, someplace Bellagio, Bellagio. And like, wow, it's a really nice place. And, like, I remember, like, when I got there, like, you know, like, like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, like when he gets to like Uncle Phil's house, yeah. and he like looks like this. Like this is me. I was like, yeah. damn, I should have charged more money. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. Yeah, I mean now, dude, you're you're everywhere. I mean, you go you're around the world basically, right? I mean, you've done a bunch of international events too. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, where are some of the spots that you've been? We have done, uh, you know, events in St. Thomas, uh, St. Martin, Aruba, London, Spain, Barbados, um, you know, Mexico. Uh, Hawaii, I know you were in Hawaii. Hawaii, so, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, we've got like a really, really cool wedding event coming up in June in Lake Como, Italy. Really? Yeah. Indian wedding? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy, man. Wow. I know you have like some side hustle going on too. That's uh, obviously DJ is like your main business, but I've been seeing 1947 beer literally like everywhere. Yeah. Uh, what's the deal, man? What's uh, tell, tell us a little bit about 1947 beer and how you're involved in it. So, um, about. 13 years ago, uh, we were just kind of sitting around, myself and my partners, and we were just like, you know, why is it that we go out for like a good like Japanese meal? You can have like a Sapporo or an Asahi, and like your Japanese food will taste good with the beer and vice versa. Um, you know, even you go for an Italian meal, you can have like a Peroni and like your Italian food, um, and the beer will, will complement each other well. I mean, even like Mexican food, you've got, you know, Dos Equis, Modelo, Tecate, right. and, and your fajitas will pair well with the beer, and the beer will pair well with the food. Um, we love beer. And we said, why is it that, like, when, you know, we go out for Indian food, um, you know, the beer has its own, like, you know, type A personality, right? And Indian food, as we all know, is very flavorful and very spicy, quite arguably the most flavorful and the most spiciest out of any cuisine. And, you know, we felt that whatever limited beers were available, you know, it's kind of like a tug of war in your mouth for like, you know, attention. And, you know, as we both know, you know, type A and type A don't go together. Right. You know, sometimes you got to have some sort of like a complimentary, yeah. you know, uh, so on and so forth. So we said, let's come up with a beer, which tastes great by itself, but also pairs well with the flavors of Indian food. 
Um, and we said that once we were able to successfully develop something that paired well with the flavors of Indian food, it would pair well with all cuisines. And 1947 was born. 1947 is the year of Indian food. Right. Um, so what's the process, though? Like, yeah, so it's great. you have this concept with your boys or you know, whoever your business partners are. Then what? You go to like a brewer and say... So, you know, we did a, a lot of back and forth. Uh, we worked with a, a well-known, uh, you know, celebrity Indian chef just to kind of, you know, help us get the pairing aspect right. You know, we did a lot of, you know, sampling of people, um, you know, three different iterations of the beer before we, you know, said like, all right. Well, who makes those? Like, who, like, what's the guts of this? Like, who makes the beer? So we've got uh, a brewmaster that we work with as well. Okay. In here, in the States? In, yes, in the States. Cool. So, and you say like the, like these flavors. Like, what what are like the f- signature flavors? Would you say like in 1947 beer? Like, so we use uh, Dortmunder hops from Germany, uh-huh. uh, Canadian barley, spring water. I mean, those are the three you know main main components. Okay, and then you say, hey, this is like you know whatever the ratios are. Let's try yeah. this. He makes a couple of batches of it. And you're like, this is the one. We we sampled well over 1,500 people before we put the label on the bottle. Wow. And and the process of putting the label on the bottle was a year in itself. People. Like when we we started the project, people were just like, "You guys are nuts!" And now uh, we have grown the brand to be in thirteen states, two countries. We're about to add a third country: um, New York, Connecticut, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Washington State, Oregon, Washington D.C. Uh, Nevada is about to kick off. I've already told my partners, like, listen, as, as many times as I need to go to Nevada, I'll go. Don't worry <laughs> about it. I, I I got Nevada. That's my territory. And then you know, the big game changer, which I'm really proud of, uh, which is about to kick off, is Texas. And to have the whole state of Texas, I mean, we're looking at you know a potential sale over there of just like you know a thousand to fifteen hundred cases a month. Wow. And and because of that, we now have to open like two more points to manufacture just to keep up with the demand. That's amazing, man. So where 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 is the brood? It's it's brewed in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Okay, we've got you know a contract with a brewery. Uh, over there that you know does our brewing but we're, we're hitting capacity over there now wow man that's yeah. amazing so you you and how many partners are involved in this there's five plus that's incredible man uh i mean wow how do you even have the time to do that that's a good job in and of itself a you you job. make time uh you know time management is is very key and i think you know that's you know what you know you and i are, are very much with we share this common bond about like the hustle right and and part of the hustle is is really really you know good time management making the effort um you know if you want something to happen it's really really just all up to you that's right man. i mean it's well said yeah you just everything everything is a priority basically right you're, but there has to be there has to be a balance right, right. like there's a balance between your my dj business right there's a balance between you know 1947 there's a family balance as well um, you know, I've, I've learned something in my hustle and the hustle, like what I've learned is that, you know, if your business is really that good and your product is really that good, people will, I, I don't like to keep people waiting, but if somebody wants to partake in your services, right, whether it's like waiting to get an appointment with you or like finding a date with me where like, you know, I'm available for an event and just kind of like basing their their calendar around my availability for their event, like they'll make it happen because, you know, quality knows quality. Yeah, that's that's so true. That's something you actually, it's a hard thing to learn um, when you're like running your own business, you know, like because you want to just satisfy as much demand as you possibly can. But by doing that sometimes, 
the quality gets sacrificed, right? So it's like, you know, maintaining that quality is the key. So not overstretching yourself. Yes. Right? So you can deliver like A plus quality every time. But that's a, that's a lesson that you learn. It's almost like you have to, like, I posted something yesterday on Instagram about like you fail your way to success. Yes. I think that's something that's, you know, it's really easy to dilute your brand. I mean, even with my practice, like I think there was a period where, I mean, it was never diluted, but I was like kind of felt like it wasn't, my personal touch wasn't really there as much as it was in the beginning because I'd kind of overstretched myself in the beginning. I was like working my ass off. Then I got help and I got folks to help me out, the doctor as a PA. And then I took maybe, I, you know, it, it enabled me to kind of take a step back only to full circle. I'm back in the game now. You know, like I'm right. back. I, I, I want to be there now. And I realize I have to be there and I can't rely. Like you can't have a, three other DJs and it can't be the D, DJ Suhel gang. And like, you know, you send another DJ out because you're the guy. Like you're the guy that people hire. Like I'm the guy people make an appointment with. Right. You know? I mean, quality control is is very important. I mean, I've got you know one other person that works with me. Um, you know, we're discussing partnership right now, and he's very very good. And I think you know, relating it back to you know the world of DJing, for one DJ to get up and say, you know what, that guy is really really good, takes a lot. Right. Yeah. No, it's a insanely competitive yeah. field, right? Yeah. Um, so who are the other DJs that you like, man? Like who, 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 who do you admire? Who are your heroes? Um, I mean, you know, obviously of course, uh, the late great DJ AM rest in peace. I mean, he was, you know, the one that pretty much like changed the game in the world of like open format, uh, you know, DJing open format, meaning like, you know, all genres, you know, hip hop, uh, top 40 rock, so on and so forth. Um, you know, he was the one that really pushed like a lot of boundaries, uh, Kid Capri, Incredible, unbelievable, you know, hands down one of my most favorite DJs ever. Um, DJ Riz from Crooklyn Clan, uh, you know, you probably know his uh, song Be Faithful. Yeah. You got a hundred dollar bill, put your hands up, fifty dollar bill, yeah, put yeah, your hands yeah. up. I mean, that was for the record <laughs> done <laughs> by Crooklyn Clan. Okay, don't let anybody tell you it was not done by Crooklyn Clan. Shout out to DJ Riz, shout out to DJ Scissor Hands, of course. Um, I, I, I gotta give a shout out to my bro, uh, DJ Crooked. In Las Vegas, because he is a, a absolutely fantastic DJ, uh, you know I think he's the one that really uh, you know had the 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 colones, so to speak, to just kind of get up and leave New York and and have the vision to you know move to Las Vegas um, when Las Vegas was really blowing up back in like you know like 2005, like they opened like you know Jet at the Mirage and and you know Light was popping at the Bellagio. <laughs> Um, and, and, and they needed DJs, they needed talent out there. So, you know, Crooked, like, just kind of picked up and left. And, like, you know, every time, like, I go out there, like, I always make it a point to go where he's playing because he just, like, you know, kills it so hard out there. So, you know, lots of really good guys out there that I admire and, and I, I, like, watch their work and, and I really enjoy, uh, you know, listening to when I, when I have a moment to get out into the club. Is there, like, a community? Like, you know, like, for us, there's, like, the dermatology conference. Like, you go and there's, like, other dermatology, learn, like, new techniques and... Is there something like that for like for DJs? Like, um, I mean, there's there's like, how like do you the, connect with other DJs? You know, pretty much just like you know, like Instagram, um, you know, podcasts at the bar. <laughs> yeah, right. But when you so when you go to Vegas, say you know, check out a DJ. Do you actually make it a point to talk to the DJ, pick his brain, her brain? You know. No, I mean, I just you know, just kind of like just you know, listening to the vibe. go and and sit there and and enjoy and and get inspired. 
um, you know, like what we do when we're like, you know, up there, it's like it's mission control, right? So it's kind of like, you know, think about it for you, like like in your hustle, like when you're in a procedure, you can't have somebody talking to you when you're like mid procedure, right? right? Same thing like with with uh, you know, DJing right. performance. Yeah, but like you're in it, you're not learning it. You yeah, know, you're doing it. Yeah. So I guess when you're observing or listening, like that's how you expand your craft, you know. Yeah. It's kinda like when I watch someone else do a procedure or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, listen, your hustle is extraordinary, man. I mean, it's just that it's amazing the amount that you do. Just following, you got to follow DJ Suhel on Instagram. What's your handle, man? It's uh, DJ S U H E L. And uh, you'll see like all the crazy stuff that that Suhel's up to, man. All over the world, all over the country. And you give it, you give us like little feeds of the party where you're like, you know, really blowing out a room, man. And I, I love watching it. I love your hustle. I I love that you came out here to talk to us. Despite having the flu, Listen, and, it's all uh, good, man. We always show up. That's it, man. I mean, my, believe it or not, my inspiration to come here today, despite being under the weather, is my hustle. Yeah. And of course, watching you. Hey, man, that's it. that's what it's all about, man. And um, I can't thank you enough, man, for coming thank out you. here. And I think uh, I think uh, folks are gonna get a really good insight into what you're about, man, and and what it takes, man, to really achieve success. Yeah. Which you have. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, brother. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Mudgill podcast. The corresponding video can be found on YouTube, IGTV, and Facebook. Let's get it.